Hey friends, this is your friendly spoiler alert. If you are still in season one, please stop now or forever hold your tweets. We're trying to untangle the jingle from the jangle. It's easy if you listen with your heart. Hey gang, welcome to The Real Housewives of Riverdale, the podcast where grown-ass adults take sexy teen murder mysteries just as seriously as you do. I'm your host, Cherie, and I'm playing solo for this one today. And today we're recapping Season 2, Episode 15, Chapter 28, There Will Be Blood, which obviously refers to the 2007 Paul Thomas Anderson joint, which served as a vehicle for Daniel Day-Lewis to do some of the craziest acting in his career. It really is a great film, <laughs> like, if you can get over Paul Dano's face, that is. But it, it's one of my favorite movies. Um, so our episode starts out at Jughead and FP's trailer, where Jughead is sitting in his serpent jacket, which um, I thought he was suspended from the serpents, or on probation or something, but whatever. And he's staring at his own, like, non-murder murder board that he's put together to help him write his article on Hiram. FP comes home from his shift at Pops, takes one look at, at the murder board, and basically says, Oh, what fresh hell is this? He argues that Jughead shouldn't write the article because Hiram has saved their home. And even though he's slicker than snake oil... But Jughead doesn't know the word back off. Like, he, he simply cannot take the win. He doesn't know how to do that. So, as Jughead is arguing his case, he he's like, no, I can't do that. He's up to something. I just have to figure it out. I just have to figure it out. And then there's this really bad ADR of Cole Sprouse saying, he's afraid. It's so bad. Like, they didn't even try to, like, match his pitch or tone. It's, it's real bad. The next scene is at the Pembroke where the Lodges are having the Andrews boys over for dinner and the the adults reminisce about old times and apparently they had quite a bit of hijinks themselves back in the day. So much so that Veronica says the whole thing sounds like an episode of Saved by the Bell. And for some reason that like shuts everyone up. <laughs> it gets real uncomfortable for a beat. And like what's that about? Did Screech accost Hermione in the Max or something? Did Kelly dump Hiram? Who knows? But there's two things I want. A Riverdale Saved by the Bell crossover, because how fucking bonkers would that be? And two, just simply a flashback episode of what the parents were like in high school. I mean, isn't that what we really want? Because ultimately, they're the most interesting characters on this show. Like, I'm here for Alice and FP. A little bit for Fred. <laughs> and, and Hermione and Hiram, while, like, I can't stand them as people, they're very interesting. I want to know what they were all like as friends in high school. Hiram wants Fred to join him and Hermione in the study for some 30-year-old wine, and Fred cannot turn down that offer. Archie is so clearly uncomfortable with the lodges pulling Fred in without him there to supervise. Like, you can tell he's like, I don't like this. And then we cut to the blue and gold office, which I'm pretty sure Betty is still suspended from. <laughs> she has this god-awful sweater covered in mallards, like, <laughs> like green-headed ducks. <laughs> she sits with Kevin, and she talks him into catfishing Chick via webcamming so she can get some answers. And he argues valiantly against it because it is 
dumb as hell. But Betty gives him pouty lips, which he can't resist for some reason. So, of course, he goes through with it. So, Kevin starts a video chat with Chick. And he asks him, so, are you into PMP? Party and play? Which, obviously, Chick knows. He's like, you keep asking me that. So, <laughs> you keep describing it. <laughs> it's because like 80% of the people watching this are like, what the fuck's PMP? Um, but he says, you keep asking me that and I keep telling you no. And Kevin is clearly befuddled. He doesn't know what to do because this is so dumb. And Betty's like trying to silently Cyrano de Bergerac him on the other side of the laptop. If it wasn't so bizarre and creepy, it'd be pretty funny. Like it's, it's pretty cute. Eventually, Chick tries to get Kevin to take his shirt off, which is really what we all want and need in our lives. I mean, can we just cut back to that wrestler episode? Anyway, Kevin gulps like he's freaking Scooby-Doo and says that he's shy. Since when you used to hook up with randos in the woods? <laughs> I mean, I get that, like, you don't want to do this, you don't want to be here, but that's, that's a lame excuse. Um, Chick's like, okay, whatever, dude. What do you want to know about me? Score. Score one for Betty. In Veronica's room, Archie wonders what Veronica thinks they're talking about in there. You reckon? Just, <laughs> oh, just a little bit of Kiwi coming out in that line delivery. Uh, she tells him that there is going to be a special election for a new mayor since her parents bullied Mayor McCoy into resigning, and they think Fred would be the perfect candidate. And Archie's like, no, I'm in the mob, not my dad. God. So then, on the way back to their house, Archie asks Fred if this is something he really wants, and Fred admits that being mayor is what he's always dreamed of. And, like, seriously? Since when? But he thinks he can get this fucking town back to what it once was. So, yeah, I guess we're just gonna MAGA Riverdale now. Gross, Fred. Um, at Thistle House, Cheryl walks in on Penelope meeting with a strange man, and why she didn't run out of the room shielding her eyes, I'll never know. I mean, given her mother's profession and panache for using the couch to do her business work on, Cheryl should be traumatized to walk in that room. But apparently this guy isn't a client. At least not yet. Know what I'm saying? At least that's what Penelope's probably thinking. He's a state attorney, and as it turns out, Clifford had a secret will, because of course he did. And, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I might not say it. And as Cheryl said, of, because of course he did. <laughs> oh dear. Because what supervillain wouldn't have a secret will? Anyway, there's going to be a public will reading the next day. Until then, no deets, bitches. Going to have to wait. At the Cooper house, Hal decides to break up with Alice with Betty sitting right there next to her. Again, maybe don't make your child party to relationship issues. It just seems very toxic. But he's still butthurt about Alice picking her own child over, like, his weird jealous bullshit. And doing a complete 180 from, like, two episodes ago, Betty agrees with Hal and says that they should ask Chick to move out. Not you, Dad. Poor Betty. I mean, like, I want Chick to move out, too, because he's a total creep, but... Like, Hal sucks. He does not get to move back in. Anyway, 
Alice rolls her eyes and then reminds us that Hal sold the Riverdale Register to that scumbag Hiram Lodge. And Hal's like, Hiram offered me a fairer price than what? Fairer than what? Was somebody else offering to buy it? I don't understand. And he is willing to give half of it to Alice if she sets him free immediately. Hmm. Suspicious. But she considers it. Then we go to breakfast at the Pembroke, which includes orange juice, because that's going to be a thing in this episode where everybody fucking drinks orange juice forever. Strawberries and like what I think is a vegetable tray. Oh, and requests for their daughter to socially engineer her boyfriend into convincing his dad to run for mayor so they can officially own the whole fucking town. And Veronica agrees. She agrees to do her best. And I'm not sure I like her anymore because that's real fucked up. Oh, in the the serpent and sword or sword and serpent whatever classroom that Jughead has just he just owns now he just has this classroom because class isn't happening at this school so he just gets an entire classroom for his club even though they've merged two high schools together so there should be less room than ever but whatever Archie asks if Jughead is still planning on dragging Hiram Lodge, and he's like, uh, duh, why? So Archie tells him the deets on the mayor plot, and Archie doesn't want Fred to run because that would make him beholden to a mafioso, and for once, I'm on Archie's side. It's a weird feeling for me. And he does the smart thing of using Jughead as his tool instead of blatantly running his mouth. Who is this kid? I barely recognize him. I'm liking it. So the secret that he decides to tell Jughead is that Hiram bought Pops and he doesn't want anyone to know about it. And that makes Jughead's crown beanie wearing head spin like all the way around. He is shook. <laughs> oh, speaking of that beanie, my friend Crystal made me one and it's fucking amazing y'all. I love it so much. It's perfect. Anyway, back to the show. <laughs> Jughead's indignation over Hiram buying Pops and his, he likens that to mean that everyone is in danger. But like, is it? Like, I get that buying the newspaper is bad because when you own the press, you dictate what the press says and that's always bad. There should always be free press. You should always be able to get the facts and not have it swayed, but you know, that's not the world we live in. But why, what's the big deal of Pops? Why is it dangerous? Like, I know we're going to learn why Pop doesn't want people to know, but why does Jughead think it's dangerous? Can, can someone let me in on it? Because I don't know. I mean, just not smart enough. I don't know. Like, and again, don't tell me it's because Pop Tate doesn't want people to know. I know that. I've seen the whole episode. You don't have to tweet me. I just don't understand why Jughead thinks right now that it's dangerous. Anyway, cut to cut to title card. Riverdale. And then after commercial break, Jughead has somehow transported his Hiramized murder board across town to Betty's house, where he fills her and Allison on Hiram's property purchasing, and they too are shook to learn that Hiram has purchased Pops. Betty says that Pops is the heart of Riverdale, and like, yeah. It's literally the only restaurant in town, so of course, that's where like people go. I mean, hell, that's even where you have meetings with social workers and stuff. So yeah, whatever. But Alice, 
who is an actual journalist, not just a conspiracy theorist with a typewriter, asks Jughead when he's going to talk to Pop. Clearly, it has never crossed Jughead's mind to get Pop's side of the story. So kudos to Alice and her like, okay, well, you know what the next step is. When are you going to do it? She, she's like a really good advisor for the blue and gold if that could continue to still be a thing. Veronica is like lounging on her couch in this shirt with a bow shape, but it's all bedazzled with pearls because of course it is. And she's trying to get Archie to help her collect signatures to get Fred in the mayor race. And he like straight up blows her off. And after he hangs up on her, Oh shit, her parents were watching. And they saw her attempt at manipulating her boyfriend totally crash and burn. So I guess she's not getting mob daughter of the month trophy. So sorry, sorry V. Betty comes home from, I don't know, somewhere. And they're in the living room as Polly and Alice and Chick are both holding one of the twins. Those are some big chunky babies, I love it. Betty asks what she's doing home and Alice says she just walked through the door with these perfect babies. That in a different show, if this were on Lifetime, that would be very creepy. Polly says that she wanted to surprise mom and we know this makes Chick snap a little because there's a big duh on the soundtrack when she says the word mom. <laughs> He's such a creep. Alice um, goes to hand Betty the baby girl, Juniper, but Betty's like, no, and she goes for Dagwood instead, saving him from Chick's psychotic grasp. And Polly wants to know where Hal is and if they're all gonna go to the will reading together. So that's why you're here. Not to surprise Alice, but to see if old Cliffy left you or the babies anything in his will. Right. Alice and Betty, though, had no idea about the will reading. Well, maybe if you talk to your friend Cheryl, friend, frenemy, cousin, whatever, you should probably check in on Cherylson. Every now and then, Betty, she tried to kill herself. Just saying. The next scene is in Cheryl's closet, and we know it's her closet because everything is black and red, so it's gotta be Cheryl's. Tony tells Cheryl that she agreed to come to this will reading, but not to a makeover. And Cheryl is delighted to have her here anyway, And but she just, she wants Tony to, to look at, you know, less flannelly at, at this, um, you know, kind of fancier event since there's going to be so many of the, the snobby blossoms there. It's just so nice to see Cheryl smile. But of course, her happiness is clearly not allowed in this establishment and her mother can smell her joy and just bust through her bedroom door like the goddamn Kool-Aid man and demands to know what's going on as if she isn't literally running a one-woman bordello in this same house. Oh my God, Penelope, the fucking nerve of you to not, <laughs> to not be okay with your daughter having a love just because she's, she's a girl, but you're a literal prostitute. Like, <laughs> it just, I just can't. Sex worker, sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, Tony introduces herself as a friend from school who Cheryl agreed to help her find something to wear to the will reading. And Penelope just about shits a brick and asks, why on earth would you be there? And Cheryl says, I invited Tony as my emotional support. And Penelope is like, 
what the fuck ever. Just be downstairs before the quote unquote scavengers arrive. And Tony is like, wow, she's a nightmare. And Cheryl says, isn't she though? In a way that sounds both tired and impressed of her mother's wicked tongue. So she's such an enigma, that Cheryl Blossom. At the Andrews house, Archie's been kind of drinking a big old glass of orange juice. Is this fucking episode sponsored by Tropicana or something? Like, Jesus Christ with the orange juice. It's just everywhere. Like, every scene has orange juice in it this episode. Anyway, Fred is showing Archie some of his old stuff, including a giant illustration of what he thought Riverdale would look like in the year 2020. <laughs> this fucking town is one that Fred can apparently get with bless his heart. It really is just so sweet. It looks all Jetson-y. I just love it. Veronica lets herself into their house and it clearly rubs Archie the wrong way. He is not cool with his girlfriend this episode. But she's put together some sign and button designs and, and Fred's like, oh, I like this one. That's my favorite too, as she glares at Archie. So he takes her upstairs and he confronts her about the lodges turning Fred into a dog on a leash. And it's not cool how she's steering him and his dad. He, she needs to ease off. And she agrees, but she's not gonna. At the will reading, all of the Blossom regulars and even some of the season one, episode nine, uh, La Grande Illusion Blossoms are gathered. And this little house is left to Nana Blossom, who we learn her full first name is Roseanne, not just Rose, very fitting, I think. And to Penelope Thornhill, LOL, <laughs> nice. <laughs> she fucking deserves that. Any and all of his remaining assets will be split in half. The first half going to anyone in Riverdale who can prove through medical identification that one drop of Blossom blood flows through their veins. At this point, Alice comes storming in, channeling that season one rage we all know and hold so dear to our hearts. She accuses Hal of only wanting a divorce so he could keep his big Blossom payday for himself. He provides further proof to the fact that Chick is not his son when he says, it's not just me, Alice. The girls have Blossom blood too. Alice then calls on her lawyer, Attorney McCoy, <laughs> who's very uncomfortable to be here. <laughs> she calls on her to back her up that she's gonna fight for half of whatever Hal gets from this, this inbred cesspool of a family. And she's like, yeah, I said inbred, uh-huh. Penelope has had just about enough of Alice's shit, so she stands up to make her leave, but Alice fights back with, why don't you just shut up, you half-melted 10-cent trollop? Oh my god, it was so good. So good. And then, because there's no reason for Kevin to be there, Tony has to be the voice of the audience when she says, well, this is riveting. I can't breathe. Both of those are Kevin lines from season one. No hate. It was amazing. I'm just stating the facts. <laughs> it's too bad he couldn't be there. But I love that Tony got to be that person. At Pops, Jughead asks Pop about selling the diner to Hiram. And we learn from this very heartfelt scene that the reason they don't want anyone to know about Pop selling out is because the diner has been in the Tate family for over 30 years. And when he took it over from his ma, he calls her his, his ma. <laughs> she, 
she made him promise that he would always keep it in the family. And he did what he had to do, but he wants Jughead to keep the secret for as long as Pop's mom is still alive because it would crush her to know that he sold it to Hiram. And that's, that's very sweet and very sad. Back to the will reading. Alice has been escorted off the property, so proceedings will go on, and the rest of the inheritance we learn will go is to go to Jason and Cheryl. So naturally, Jason's, you know, been murdered by the person whose will we're reading, so, you know, he, he's not getting anything. <laughs> Cheryl thinks this is a fine time to give a speech. Honey, it's your dad's will, not the Oscars. But anyway, she seizes the opportunity to say that this is the that as the one and only true blossom heir, no more bloodshed, no more cruelty, no more no more horror. And then oh shit, Clifford Blossom returns from the dead and walks into his own will reading. Holy crap. <laughs> Cheryl faints because that's what you do when you see your dead dad was <laughs> a terrible person and killed your brother. Oh my god. Oh, but like it was a little much. It was it was extra even for Riverdale, but I I couldn't believe it. I know like my mouth fell open when when I heard his voice. After, after the commercial break, Penelope wakes Cheryl up with smelling salts, and she's like, Oh, Momsy, I've had the worst daymare. I've literally never heard that term before, but it works, I guess. I, I, I kind of like daymare. But anyway, it wasn't a dream. The man that we believe to be Clifford, and it's obviously the same actor, he pushes Nana Rose into the room, but it's just Clifford's twin, Claudius. Oh dear, we've gone full days of our lives, haven't we? I mean, when you have, when when you kill one character off and then bring the actor back on as his twin, it's it's so extra. It's so soapy. Anyway, we we get a lesson here in Blossom lore where apparently they're so rife with twins. The legend has it that one twin will die a violent death, often at the hands of the other twin, which is how Clifford got Claudius to run away by putting a shotgun in his face at Sweet Rana River. So Claudius runs away and joins the Merchant Marines at age 14. Sure, that checks out. That's a thing you can do. Oh boy. At, at the Cooper house, Polly is apparently ready to get her hands on some cold hard cash. She wants to know when she can get her, her blood tested to get hers. Like she is ready. She is thirsty for that blossom money. And Chick is like, I'm not getting my blood tested. Needles trigger me. Oh, I'm sad. And Alice tells Betty and Polly to leave him alone because she's so blind. But Polly says we're all blossoms, like it or not, and with enough money, we could start our own version of the farm. Like, no, Polly. Nobody wants that except for you. Veronica tells Hermione that Archie needs to be off the table. Hermione tries to convince her otherwise and tells her, like, how mob wives work and stuff, but Veronica isn't having it, so Hermione concedes. I guess you're right for wanting to protect your relationship, Miha. Oh, that fucking family. The next day at school, instead of going to class, <laughs> because of course, what class? 
uh, Betty and Kevin are back in the blue and gold office that, again, she's supposed to be suspended from, but whatever. She, like me, thinks Chick has nefarious reasons for not wanting his blood tested. And Kevin is like, what am I supposed to do here? Just ask him? Because that's weird. Betty says she has a plan. It's slightly insane. Just like her. <laughs> so, Kevin webcams again and makes up some bullshit about having just gotten tested for HIV and STDs for the first time, even though the show won't go so far as to actually utter the words HIV and STD, which is stupid and makes me want to throw my TV out a window. <sighs> anyway, Chick's like, oh, that's a really important milestone in, I don't know, being gay or whatever being sexually active <laughs> but he can tell that Kevin is looking at someone else through the webcam so he calls him out on it and Kevin just flips and he just slams his laptop shut and he says sorry I can't your brother seems like a really nice guy and seriously who's catfishing who at this point because he is not a really nice guy but either way Kevin is Audi 5000 peace <laughs> he's not gonna be Betty's bitch anymore at Sunnyside Trailer Park, um, Jughead tells Archie that he cannot discuss pop, the Pops thing. He's not going to do that to Pop. So Archie scrambles and he wants to take Hiram down before Fred runs for mayor. Jughead says that he's shaken everyone down for answers, including Mayor McCoy. But Archie thinks maybe he can get more out of a different McCoy. So he, he meets up with Josie. So, in this next scene, Archie is sitting down at Pops with Josie, and they both have milkshakes, and I so badly wanted her to put her straw in his milkshake and drink it up, because what is even the point of naming this episode There Will Be Blood on the show with all the milkshakes in the world if that doesn't happen? Like, missed opportunity of the century, Roberto. God. Anyway, they convinced Sierra to talk to Fred about the downsides of being mayor. And she does. And she she has some very good points. And god damn, she's persuasive. Way to go, Robin Givens. Um, at the Cooper house, the ladies are playing with the twins. And it's all so super cute. When Chick comes downstairs, and like a teenager, when he's supposed to be an adult, he says, Mom, I'm late for work. Can you drive me? And he does not like it when she says that she can't because she's spending time with her grandchildren. That, hello, who knows if she'll ever see them again? Like, their mother is a total flight risk. So she tells him to take the bus or walk, and we get more psycho sound effects, more dun, 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 dun. He's, he's snapping, guys. He's flipping out. Uh, Pop Tate tells Hiram, he comes over to the Pembroke and he tells Hiram about Jughead snooping around and that sends Hiram off the fucking ledge. When he discusses it with Hermione and Veronica, he slams his fist onto the desk and he realizes that it was probably Archie who told Jughead that he bought Pops. Veronica covers for him though. She says it was her that told Jughead at Shadow Lake because he was shaking her down and Hiram starts to flip out on her but Hermione steps in and says that she made a good choice by throwing the dog a little bone before he can dig up the real dirt. So Hiram concedes and <laughs> It's, that's kind of a cool episode where Hermione, who's the real boss, like steps in and she's like, step down, motherfucker. She did the right thing. 
even though she didn't do it she's just covering for Archie but back at the trailer FP volunteers to go on the record about trashing the drive-in for Hiram until Jughead gets a weird call from someone offering up plans for Hiram's business dealings he just has to meet this this person at a bus terminal in 20 minutes Jughead this is how you get murdered Oh my god. Of course the dum-dum goes though. These kids. It's it honestly astounds me that like Jason Blossom is the only kid to get murdered. I mean, <laughs> they're fucking stupid. And and Moose and Midge like they got shot in the woods because they went into the woods to make out and do drugs knowing that there's like an active shooter out there. There's a serial killer on the loose. I mean, he, he like only killed one person, but still. <sighs> These children it kills me. Archie is doing some like serious pull-ups <laughs> in the Andrews garage, which is super nice. Um, but <laughs> Veronica busts in and they fight. And for like the first time ever, it's not a one-sided argument where we're all just clapping for Veronica. Archie has a solid defense for his actions too. So they go round and round and it, it actually made for good TV. Like I didn't pause it. I didn't pause the TV to take notes when she alluded to the Manchurian candidate or, or anything. Like I wanted to see the whole thing play out. It's been a long time since that's happened. Uh, Fred interrupts their fight though to announce that he's officially running for mayor. He's not gonna listen to Mayor McCoy. He's gonna do it. Oh, sorry, Attorney McCoy. <laughs> he, he's he's gonna go through with it. And I don't know, things are just super weird with them now. In the next scene, Creepzilla Cooper, Betty, goes through Chick's bathroom to find something with his DNA on it. And, you know, his comb doesn't have any hairs. His toothbrush is dry, I guess. There's just nothing. So she goes through his trash and she finds a piece of dental floss. She wraps it up in a tissue and takes it. And as she's walking out, even creepier Creepzilla <laughs> stops her cold. And Chick lays out some bullshit about love being finite. And essentially he thinks that Polly is stealing Alice's love for him away. Barf. Then he tells her to not use his bathroom again. And this is after his ass had the audacity to use her bathroom to take a shower in. And in what fucking house does everyone get their own bathroom? Like, what kind of privileged shit is that? <laughs> and where do I sign up? Because most houses, maybe the master bedroom has a bathroom in it. And then you get one community bathroom for the rest of the house. Maybe like a downstairs bathroom or one in the garage or something. But not one in each bedroom. Oh, I want that. At the bus terminal, Jughead shows up to his like probable murder. And when we see, this is when we see that Deep Throat though is in fact Smithers. Yes, <laughs> missed him. <laughs> the only information that Smithers has for Jughead though is that he sometimes arranged transportation for Hiram out to the horribly named Shankshaw prison. God, I was really hoping that Shankshaw thing would die. I was hoping once FP got out, we wouldn't have to hear that name anymore. Smithers asks how Veronica is holding up with Hiram's return, and we don't get to see Jughead's answer, but I'm hoping that question reminds him that Veronica is just a kid like him, and at one point in time, they were friends. It's, it's unfortunate how 
her parents are, are basically tearing them apart. Anyway, in the Poison Ivy dining room at Thistle House, which is how it'll be referred to from, you know, now till forever, Tony asks Claudius how it feels to be back in Riverdale, and Penelope is just as shitty as always and tells him to ignore this person. Tonight was supposed to be family only. But he loves meeting new people, <laughs> and especially ones that remind him of his travels to the island of Lesbos. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> oh my god, is actually what Cheryl says because what else can you say? And Tony drops her fork. It was super loud clatter. And it's all just wonderful. Oh, it's so great. Jughead <laughs> goes to visit his dad at Pops for, you know, just a sweet chat and a cheeseburger. Oh, wait. Wrong show. Nope. He's there to see if FP has any prison contacts on the inside who can enlighten them on Hiram's activities. That's a normal conversation between father and son. Oh, gosh. <laughs> FP says... A bro called War Baby is a real nosy Nelly, so they can talk to him. <laughs> the Cooper sisters, like, I guess they're going shopping because they're just like walking the streets of Riverdale and they just talk shit about Chick the whole time because that's that's really what girls do best. <laughs> and when they arrive home, Alice is literally knitting booties for the babies. <laughs> so cliche. Oh, and she tells him that Chick took the babies for a walk by Sweetwater River. Oh my god, what the actual fuck, Alice? He's gonna drown those babies. Polly is reacting like any mother who found out her babies were just handed off to total strangers because, oh my god, I would lose my shit. <laughs> but Chick walks in pushing like that, that really fancy pram she got from the blossoms at her god-awful baby shower. And the babies are not just fine, they're super chubby and adorable and just happy and cooing and giggly. So, he didn't drown them this time. <laughs> at Shankshaw, Jonesy. That's <laughs> just apparently FP's prison nickname. <laughs> Um, he meets with uh, with War Baby to get the dirt. Um, not much happens here, but I really like the shot of FP and Jughead like wedged into that booth because they're both you know pretty big guys and they're like crammed into that little little conversation booth. And I'm I'm only slightly jealous of War Baby for getting that visual up close and in person. Hmm. Archie and his heart of gold jump down a known gangster's throat in his home. <laughs> like, that, that was his one dumb, super dumb move this episode. Hiram tries to persuade Archie with his, we're going to make Riverdale virtually crime-free bullshit. But Archie's like, nah, you know what? When Hermione sent that fake-ass FBI agent to investigate me, I started taking detailed notes of everything I saw you do. I really expected Hiram to just like reach over and grab the notebook and throw it into that roaring fire that's right next to them, which is foreshadowing, obviously. But he didn't, not this time. He just makes some more like empty promises until Archie leaves pissed off. 
And we get another scene brought to you by the fine people of the Orange Juice Coalition, this time at the Cooper house. Chick, Chick's drinking a big old glass of OJ this time when Polly comes downstairs wanting to tell Betty goodbye, but Betty's with Jughead. So instead, she tells Alice that she's leaving. Oh, Alice does that thing that like all brainwashed battered women do and they say, Chick said you would do this. And that made me want to smack her fucking face. Like, I'm the last person to defend Polly, but geez a loo, lady. God, <laughs> pull your head out of the sand, please. Polly says that she isn't going back to the farm this time. She's just driving west. San Francisco, maybe. Um, you have two young infants. You need to plan better than that. Miss Teen Mom of the Year, not a good choice, but whatever. She agrees to let Alice say goodbye to her grand twins, which I thought was cute. And Chick says, drop a line with your new address, Polly. He says it like a real fucking scumbag. And oh, he says that just before cutting her out of that Cooper family picture that he, he cut Hal out of a couple of episodes ago. And he's like, just giddy while he does it, piece of shit. After we take care of Polly and Chick's weirdness, we have this like flip-flop back and forth between Hiram and Jughead led scenes. So I'm gonna try to consolidate them so it doesn't get too confusing, but I'll try to save some of the suspense too. So Hiram returns to the Pembroke after a nice morning run to the very bad news that FP and Jughead spoke with a loose-lipped crony at the prison. And our friend Lucky Duck War Baby, he's, he's probably told them everything. And it's only a matter of time before Jughead splashes it all over the front page of a newspaper, one that the lodges do not own. So Hiram has Veronica and, and Hermione call Fred and Archie over so that he can tell them what his plans are before they see Jughead's article. Um, the next scene, Jughead shares his article with Betty, she says that it's the best thing he's ever written and Principal Weatherby needs to publish it right now because, oh yeah, she can't. His last expose on Hiram is what got them suspended from the paper in the first place. <laughs> Guys, Principal Weatherby agrees that it's a very good article, but unfortunately it's not one that they can run in the blue and gold because it is not appropriate to take down a student's parent. And I guess he's not wrong, and obviously they weren't going to get it published in this school newspaper anyway, because at every other high school in the world, with the exception of like maybe the West Beverly Blaze, the school newspaper is just a vehicle to discuss sports scores and the cafeteria lunch menu. That's it. There's like no scathing exposés taking down, you know, local bigwigs. So here is where we learn the real plan for Southside High. Hiram wants to turn it into a for-profit prison, which is so goddamn immoral, I can't even stand it. It was one thing when Hiram was just like a mobster, but to know that he is now going to be profiting off the sentencing of people who will be unfairly targeted and their sentences will be undoubtedly unjustfully long to keep lining in the pockets of the man who now owns all of Riverdale. Like, I'm just absolutely disgusted by for-profit prisons. It, I just, I can't even, I can't even. It's what leads to a lot of racial profiling and having 
you know, people on drug charges locked up for longer than people who are rapists and murderers and child molesters. And I could go on for ages, but we're here to talk about Riverdale. So I'm going to try not to, but that's, that's something that really puts a thorn in my side. Oh, <laughs> I can't. Anyway, so Dale, the thing that they've been working on for, you know, a season and a half now will be housing for all the people who work at the prison. And that's just gross too. Fred apparently has the same moral compass that I do and tries to storm out when he tells Archie to come on, we're leaving. Archie says, no, nah, dad, I'm, I'm going to stay. I want to see what Mr. Lodge has to say. God damn it, Archie. I had such high hopes for you earlier in this episode. <sighs> Fred leaves and you can tell like it really hurts him to see Archie stay. He says, I'll see you at home. And then once Fred is out the door, Hiram gives Archie a look that we don't see, but what we do see is fear reflected in Archie's face. Like you can tell he's like, oh shit, what have I done? Awesome face acting by, by KJ. Super good. After commercial break, we cut to a press conference that starts out with some questions and some eye rolling from me. Okay, so there are like 15 news cameras and another 20 journalists gathered. Where do they all come from in this small town? Like, I highly doubt they have their own TV news affiliates in Riverdale. Not to mention, the Lodges just bought the one and only newspaper. I'm not sure who will even be running it for them yet since the Coopers are out. So who are all these people? <laughs> what are they doing there? Um, then we pan to Kevin, who just stares at his phone long enough to highlight his Instagram app and look. I big puffy heart love the Instagram account that they have going for Kevin. Like the two times that quote unquote he has responded to me made me giddy like I haven't been in ages, but it was so on the nose right there. It was absolutely terrible. It was very reminiscent of the cover, cover girl product placement shit from season one. Like it was just, ugh, it was cringeworthy. Anyway, Veronica is at the podium announcing that Hermione will now be running for mayor. Well, that's interesting. We get a shot of both Jughead and Smithers in the crowd looking smug and pissed. I'm so glad Smithers is back, you guys. I missed him. I hope, I hope he's here to stay. I hope he's back for good. I hope he drives his bus all around Riverdale because that's what we need. Um, while Hermione is giving her speech, we see Fred receive a box of like, you know, political buttons with his name on it. And he, you can tell he's like still really proud and he wants to do this. Um, Claudius and Penelope are having um, a conversation in the living room at Thistle House. And he says, oh, how he's long to exact revenge on the lodges. And she's like, slow your roll. First we have to kill your mother and then my daughter, you silly goose. And scarring her even worse than we could possibly imagine at this point, Cheryl has heard her mother's remark about how they have to take down first Nana and then Cheryl. And Madeline's face in this scene reminds me of why Cheryl's my favorite character on this show. Like, when it gets emotional, she can cut deep and like great acting from everybody in this episode. Like even Polly was good, but 
I, Madeline is just, she's just my favorite. I would just hug her so hard that she'd break in half because she's so, so petite and tiny, but I just love her so much. She did really good in that scene. She didn't have any lines, but you could, you could really feel the fear and terror and heartbreak just pouring out of her. Um, Betty shows Chick the results from the dental floss she had tested, and oh, what do you know, he's not who he says he is. Ha! Huh. As if an entire fandom hasn't been saying that for months. Hiram regrets not telling Archie and Fred about the prison complex idea sooner. Archie is on Hiram's side, though, because he's seen some shit, and <laughs> he decides that Riverdale needs a change. So Hiram decides that it's a good time that they become blood brothers, except not. They just cut their hands open and drip blood on Archie's notebook that now goes into the fire. Hiram tells Archie that now we come first. <laughs> Archie nods and that, that really upsets me because always, always your dad has come first. And that's, that's so important to Archie. That's not good for his character to just change that. At the press conference, um, Jughead, the, the Jug Dub, if you will, says, this is it. The Lodges have won. Time has run out on Riverdale. This is Riverdale. All right, I got like seven minutes before I have to go on back to work, so I'm gonna try to run through segments really quick. Um, most RG comic moment, I mean, this whole episode was nuts. I guess that Pops, the diner has been in Pop Tate's family for over 80 years. That sounds like it could be canon. Um, the best blossom burn <laughs> at the will reading after um, the attorney says that Thornhill is left to Penelope. Cheryl turns to her and she says, huh, a charred husk of an empty house that that sounds about right, mother. That was that was really good. Um, good, bad, funnies. My good is like 90% of this episode. Archie wasn't dumb and he had a real argument. Bravo, young sir. Way to not be a, you know, golden retriever for almost a whole episode. My bad is that this whole episode centered around Jughead's big article, and then when it couldn't get published by the Register or the Blue and Gold, it was just dead. Like, go to Kinko's and run copies off, bro. Put them in people's mailboxes and windshields. Publish it online. Like, if you have something you really want people to hear, you will make your voice heard. It, it shouldn't stop you because the principal wouldn't run it in the blue and gold. <sighs> funny. My funny for the week is, oh, just, just the whole will reading sequence. Everything from Alice's outburst to Cheryl fainting. It just, it just all made me giggle. It was so funny. So bizarre. Um, if I was in the writer room, writer's room, the changes I would make for the first time ever, I wouldn't change Polly. I actually liked her in this episode. I know, I know. And I haven't even been drinking. I, I would get Jughead's article published somehow, get it out there. And, or I'd like to see Veronica struggle with the ethics of a for-profit prison instead of just going along with it because that's what her parents want. Um, for theories, I just, I don't know. Oh. The real mystery now is who is Chick? 
I think maybe, maybe he like used to room with the real chick at the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. I mean, they did that on Sneaky Pete, so they could do it here. Or just the DNA results will say that he, his DNA half matches Alice, but it doesn't match Hal. And because we all know that he's not Hal's kid, but they haven't addressed that yet on, on the show. Um, for Sabrina news, nothing but tumbleweeds in the town of Greendale, as far as I can tell. Nothing's happening. Skeet's Dadgram Corner. So, the day this episode aired, which I'm recording it the day after, so yesterday, Skeet took over the CW Riverdale's Instagram account, and it was adorable, as per usual. I think, I think my favorite post from this last week, though, was from Friday, when it was his twin's birthday, his in real life twins, and he posted this super cute picture of them from when they were little, and they've got like their swimsuits and, and floaty jackets on, and it's so sweet. And the caption reads, quote, happy birthday to these two. You are without a doubt the nearest and dearest to my heart. Red heart emoji. Yes, you keep getting bigger, but so does my love for you both. Thank you for making every day beautiful. Prayer hands emoji. If that's not the sweetest dadgram ever, I just don't know what is. It's just, it was so kind. And it pulls from his like actual fatherhood experience and I just love it. All right, friends, I think that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with a recap of chapter 29, Primary Colors. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. That helps other Riverdale fans find us and join our safe space where we can talk about all sides of the show without having to worry about, like, the crazy shippers giving us death threats for not agreeing with them or, you know, holding their particular relationship with such esteem as if it were a religion because that's not what we're about. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, you can find me at Cherie B, and that's capital C-H-E-R-I-E-E, capital B-E-E, and that's on Twitter again. Um, or on Instagram, I'm at Cherie04, and that's capital C-H-E-R-I-E-E-04. And that's where I'm just, you know, lightly stalking the entire cast and Kevin's fake account that they, you know, it's run by an intern at the CW. But, and you can always email me at realhousewivesofriverdale at gmail.com if you think you've got a better blossom burn or a better Archie moment because you have like actual knowledge of the comics. And I'm just going off what I remember from like 25 years ago. Um, anyway, I'm always happy to chat about Riverdale, good or bad. So hit me up. Until next week, I drink your milkshake. Either high, I drink it up. We'll make the winter springtime and jingle jangle sing time right on to the summer and the fall. So, darling, don't be weeping and please don't you be sleeping when I come creeping down the hall.